Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. So, for the next... I'm going to move this back. It looks like it might just cause some injury. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84. So if you've got your Bibles, don't be shy. Psalm 84. And we're going to stay in this psalm for the whole two weeks. And the title for this little mini-series is called Dwell. Everyone say Dwell. Dwell. I can't take any credit for that title. That was all Pastor Simon. Um, I'm terrible at titles, as you probably know by now. Psalm 84. Okay, let's start by reading this together. Okay. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. I like this bit. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Um, The psalmist starts by saying, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And truly, wherever the presence of God is, is a lovely place indeed. And in fact, I was sat with Jesus a few days ago and I said to him, this is a sacred place. Wherever Jesus is, is a holy, sacred place. It is a lovely place indeed. And the people that wrote this psalm, they were called sons of Korah. And next week, we're going to look a little bit about their history, because it's quite remarkable, and a little bit about their story. But for today, the important thing that you need to know is that these people were lovers of God's presence. Oh, they loved the presence of God. They were worshippers, you know. Lovers of God's presence. When I um, read this psalm, I knew that God was asking me to speak on it. And so I said to him, I said, what, what is it you want to say, God? And I felt him say, I'm raising up worshippers again. It just dropped into my spirit. I heard him say, I'm raising up worshippers again. These are the sort of people that don't wait until they're in church to start worshipping Jesus. But as soon as they open their eyes, they rush into the quiet place with the Lord. This is the sort of people who don't wait for the musicians to lead them in praise, but pour out their love and affection and devotion to Jesus as if it was the very first time. Worshippers 
the sort of people who love their life less and love the presence of God more. That's what Jesus is doing. He's raising up those types of worshippers again. And I felt him say to me that every burning heart is a worshipping heart. A lot of us wait for the musicians to lead us in worship. But it's our responsibility. Every burning heart is a worshipping heart. And so today we're going to look at what it means to be a worshipper and what it means to dwell in the presence of God. Let me pray before um, I get into it. Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time and we don't take it for granted. And I ask Jesus that um, every heart might be touched by your presence today, God. And we just pause and we say, Jesus, would you come and speak what you want to speak? Come and rest here, Lord Jesus. This is your time and this is your space. And we just give it over to you, God. Amen. Okay, so my first point is that worshippers love not their lives even unto death. Worshippers love not their lives even unto death. Um, Verse 2 says, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Um, these, the psalmist that wrote this clearly was someone who had experienced the presence of God. Clearly. It was clearly someone who understood the riches of the presence of God. For them to say that my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Now, for me and you, if you've accepted Jesus into your life and you've said yes to the Holy Spirit, then the beautiful thing is you can experience the presence of God just about anywhere. And to be honest, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life. The greatest surprise is where Jesus shows up. <laughs> um, the other week, You'll hear me say it the other week a lot. The last three weeks, God's just been like, just so kind and gracious and has just made himself known to me in quite remarkable ways. But I was studying my kitchen last week and um, I was just talking to Jesus. Um, Because when you live on your own, that's what happens. You've got no one else to talk to. Uh, I'm all right with that, to be honest. Anyway, so I was just talking to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, there was such a weight of his presence. Like, I can't describe it. It was as if he just showed up in my kitchen. And I just fell to my knees. And the floor is grim, by the way. So that should indicate how real it was. Um, But I just felt such a weight of God's presence as he just showed up in my kitchen. And that's been kind of like the narrative of my life where there's been times where I just felt like, God, you shouldn't really be here right now. But yet here you are. You know, he shows up in the most remarkable places. And that is the work of the cross, which made a way for me and you to have communion and companionship with the Father It is a remarkable truth that you don't have to be in a church building to experience the presence of God. That's good news, isn't it? But for the psalmist, actually, the presence of God would dwell in the temple. 
And so what that meant was that they would travel far and wide to be in the presence of God. That's why they say, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Because when they were outside of his presence, they were desperately longing to be in his presence. I found this to be true of the presence of God. That the more time you spend in his presence, the less time you want to spend outside his presence. The more time you spend alone with Jesus, the less time you want to spend outside of that reality. This psalmist, um, the sons of Korah who wrote this, I would describe them as one word, desperate. They were desperate for the presence of God. Um, I don't know if you've heard of something called David's tent. Well, basically, it's a 72-hour non-stop worship event that happens in West Sussex. It's quite remarkable. There's an elderly couple who own this massive piece of land. And when they got the land, like, years ago, they felt God say, you know, claim the land, pray over it. So they did. And she got a picture of this marquee and loads of people gathering together to worship there. And then years later, David's tent was born. And it's basically um, this event where thousands of people gather together with no agenda other than to worship Jesus. They start the event, they commission it with prayer and reading scripture. And then they do 72 hours of nonstop worship. Obviously, you can sleep and come as you go, you know what I mean? Um, But they bring artists from America. It's this massive thing that happens. Um, And so I went, went, uh, well, I went in 2017, 2018, and I just, I felt God say, you know, it's time to go again. So I went for a couple of days this year. And um, the average age, I would say, is about 20 to 35. Um, But really, you get anyone there, young and old. On the Saturday, everyone's crammed in to this big marquee, like literally crammed in. And I noticed from the corner of my eye, this elderly couple, I'm going to be honest, they didn't look well, you know. <laughs> they, just, they, look, they just didn't look well. They, they're really fragile, a bit unsteady on their feet. And they pushed their way through the crowds of young people. Honestly, you should have seen them. They had some chairs with them. Pushed their way through the crowds of people and they sat right at the front. They literally, they pushed their way through crowds of young people and they got right to the front. And it blew me away. And I said to the Lord straight away, I want to be like that. It reminded me a little bit of you know, the story of the woman with the issue of blood who would like almost elbow away through the crowds just that she might touch the hem of Jesus because she knew that if she just, you know, was near Jesus, she would be healed. It was that sort of same desperation that I imagined that that woman would have. I knew looking at this couple that they'd been here before. They weren't messing about because they had something about them that was almost like I've experienced God here. I'm not missing that again. There was a desperation about this elderly couple that, to be quite honest, was far superior than any of the desperation that I saw in any young people there. What happened to us? 
what happened to us now? I'm not talking like, you know, the church in general. I just mean us. What happened to us where we've lost our sense of desperation for the presence of God? Because I don't see it. And I know I don't see it because I was captivated by that elderly couple at David's tent. And I should see more of that, really. You know, I should be one of those people. But what happened to our sense of desperation for the presence of God? Like I said, you can experience the presence of God anywhere. But there is this remarkable promise in the Bible where Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, there I will be also. That is a promise in the word that where two or three gather in my name, there I will be also. And you know what that means? That means that our Sunday services should be the place where we come knowing we're about to encounter the living God. Because it is a promise in scripture that where two or three gather, Jesus says, there I will be also. And so we should come to church not because it's a social club, but we, we should come because we know we're about to step foot and we're going to join with like hundreds of people to experience the presence of God. That should be our posture, a posture of expectancy and desperation that today we're about to encounter the presence of God. But we don't often see that because we've lost our sense of desperation particularly my generation. That's scary. That scares me. What happened to our generation? What happened? You know, because, I mean, I don't want to be rude to everyone else, but we're most likely going to see Jesus come back. I believe that. Oh, I always believe that, but I believe that. And so we need to be ready. We can't be caught off guard. You know, we've got to be ready. You know, now's the time to pursue the presence of God. Now's the time to be desperate again. And the only reason why I think that we've lost our sense of desperation for the presence of God. Are we all okay with me talking like this? Good, because I've got nothing else. (laughs) I don't know why I asked. (laughs) Um, The reason why I think we've lost our sense of desperation is because we've become lovers of ourselves. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) I think we've become lovers of ourselves. The thing that we value most, I don't know if you've noticed this, is our time. Have you noticed that? Um, And that's, you know, it's the way, you know, society teaches us, you know. um, Society teaches us to be a lover of ourselves, to be quite frank. The gospel don't teach that, no, but society does. But we're very careful about where we place our time. You know, we want to make sure that we take time for ourselves, watching Netflix and Disney Plus, scrolling through Instagram and TikTok. We want to take time for ourselves. <laughs> you know, we make sure we go to the gym at least twice a week. I don't. I don't know why I'm saying that. I, that's not a concern in my head. But <laughs> for some of us, um, we, you know, we make sure that we're regular at the gym. But we're less concerned about being regular in the word. You know, where do you honestly place your time? Because where your time is, that's where you'll find, that's where your treasure is. Society has te- 
teaching us to be a lover of ourselves. But the gospel doesn't teach that, no. The gospel teaches sacrifice. And you see, life isn't about trying harder, being better, accomplishing more. Life is about becoming like Jesus. And who was Jesus? He was the lamb that was slain. He was the lamb that gave up his life that we might have intimacy with the Father. That's who your Jesus was. He loved his life not so much, no. He sacrificed everything that we might be free. That is your Jesus. And your mission here on earth is to become like him. The queen was an example of someone who gave up her life that she might live in a calling. And she writes, At the heart of our faith stand not a preoccupation with our own welfare and comfort, but the concepts of service and of sacrifice are shown in the life and teachings of the one who made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. She recognized that life was about sacrifice, and now she has her reward. Oh, I got goosebumps then. I'm reminded this week with everything that's happened that Jesus is coming back real soon. Oh, I'm reminded of that this week. And it says in Revelation 12 verse 10, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. It says they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. There's coming a time when the church will have to decide what it loves more the presence of God or our own lives. And can you imagine coming to church and people being desperate and hungry for the presence of God? Can you imagine what we'd see? Can you imagine waking up early to go and be in the presence of God because you know you just need to be with Jesus? David writes in Psalm 63 that your love is better than life. Jesus, help us not to be lovers of ourselves, Lord Jesus. And we just take a moment right now and we turn away from that and we repent of that, Jesus, where we've become lovers of ourselves, Jesus, where we've let desperation of the presence of God not be a concern in our heart, Jesus. We say sorry and we ask, would you come, almighty God, and make us desperate for the presence of God all over again? Even right now, Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on your people, make us desperate and hungry, make us hungry for the presence of God. Come, Lord Jesus, make us hungry again. My second point, worshippers know nothing else can satisfy. The psalmist writes, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's something that quite profound that happens when you're in the presence of God, and that is that he satisfies all your needs. We're going to split this up a little bit. So my heart cries out for the living God. That's the place in your life um, 
often quite a fragile place, the place of your dreams and hopes and desires. That's, you know, that, that's that place, the inner place of your life. The psalmist writes that that is the place that is crying out for the living God. It's so easy to let um, people and things take center stage in our heart. Have you noticed that? It's really easy, isn't it? You know, one minute you're loving Jesus, next minute you're loving Netflix. You know, it's just, it's easy to let things and people take the place of Jesus in your life. But the longing of your heart cannot be fulfilled by anything of this world. And in fact, God created you for communion with him. Your heart was designed to be with the Father. And so everything that you're feeling, your desires, your hopes, your wants can only be satisfied in the presence of your father, of your creator. It is only in the presence of God. Um, This last week I was reminded, you know that, you know the song, Be Thou My Vision? I won't sing it for obvious reasons. (laughs) You know the song though. There's this line that says, you and you only, the first in my heart. And I felt Jesus speak to me about that. Um, you and you only, the first in my heart. And so I said to him, how do I do that? Like, tell me, come on, tell me, how do I do that? And I felt him say to me, I want to be your first and your last I felt him say, I want to be the first thing you think about on a morning and the last thing you think about at night. And I was like, oh, I like that. And so he woke me up really early the next day, (laughs) like really early. And um, I kind of like wandered downstairs and just sat with Jesus a while. And then he did it again the next day and wandered downstairs and I sat with Jesus a while. And I noticed that I really loved that place. In fact, it was, if I'm honest, that's my favorite time of the day, is waking up to be with Jesus. And so I set an alarm the next day. And since then, I've just been waking up really early to be with Jesus. And it dawned on me, so that first day when he woke me up early, he reminded me of that bit in scripture where it says that um, Jesus would wake up early and go to be with the Father And it dawned on me that if Jesus did that, how much more so do I need to do that? Um, And so that is the almost like, I don't want to make huge promises, but that's, I want to live that way. You know, that Jesus would be my first and my last. Because what I've noticed is that when I start my day with Jesus, I'm able to handle the day a little bit better. You feel a bit more steady don't you? You feel like you're okay because you've just spent some time with your creator. You know you're going to be all right today. There's something quite remarkable that happens when you're with Jesus. Obviously, you know I'm not married, so I'm going to say something that you might not agree with, but hopefully there's some married people that will give me an amen after this. If you want to love your husband well, and if you want to love your wife well, you've got to get Jesus at the center. Like, and I know sometimes we kid ourselves, don't we? But honestly, 
you've got to make sure Jesus is your first in order to love your spouse well. That's the only way to do it. Put Jesus first. If you want to love your children well, again, clearly I don't have kids, but if you want to love your children well, then I believe you've got to love Jesus first. Your heart is crying out for the living God, but often we satisfy it with things that could never really satisfy your heart. The psalmist writes, my flesh cry out for the living God. And I've noticed that sometimes you don't need to hear words. You don't need pictures or visions. Sometimes you just need the closeness and the intimacy of the Father. And the touch of the presence of God goes further than words could ever go. The presence of God not only satisfies your heart, he also satisfies the desires of your flesh. I was really moved a few weeks ago after Limitless Festival when, you know Jack, remember Jack? He got up and shared his encounter with the presence of God and the way he described it, you know, because it was just like, for him it was the very first time and I loved it and he said, I went all cold and then I went like this. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that is how to describe it. Um, but clearly he just experienced the presence of God. It was flesh on flesh contact with the almighty God. And um, God longs to give us words and, you know, visions and he longs to speak into your life. He's also a God who wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience him. The things of your heart and the things of your flesh cannot be satisfied by anything other than the presence of God. And I don't know where you turn to when you have desires and longings, but it's time to turn to Jesus first. It's time to turn to the presence of God. My third and final point, I don't know what time I'm on. Oh, I'm okay. My third and final point is that worshippers are a blessed people. I'm going to skip to verse 4. It says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. The last three weeks for me have just been quite remarkable. <laughs> three, four weeks, I don't know what it's been. Um, if I'm honest, I just felt like I needed Jesus like, like a, I need a whole new revelation of Jesus. I just needed Jesus. And so I went to his presence. And what happened was, um, whilst I needed Jesus and so I went to his presence, actually my want for Jesus kept me in his presence. I needed him and I found him and my want for him kept me there. And for the last three weeks, I've been really... Like, particularly the last three weeks, I've been really almost like greedy for the things of the spirit. You know, whatever God want, like, wants to give me, like I want to take hold of, I've been really greedy for God. That's the best way that I could describe it. And, um, and uh, when I was at David's tent, I'd said, um, <laughs> I'd said two requests to the Lord. 
I was recovering from a cold, so the worship sounded fantastic, but I couldn't hear it properly because <laughs> everything sounded like it was underwater. And so I said to the Lord, oh, God, can you heal me? Like, I've traveled all this way. Like, I know you can do it. Come on, God. And my second request was um, someone was at the stage talking about, you know, her experiences and having like oil on her hands and stuff. And that's not new. You know, Pastor Simon talks about that all the time. I've not seen that yet. So I was like, come on, God. Just a bit of oil. <laughs> I was there the whole time, like anything. <laughs> um, so those were my two requests. It was that God might heal me and that God might give me oil on my hands. <laughs> and um, Saturday night, they were singing, Worthy is the Lamb. Everyone, thousands of people worship him. And I just felt Jesus come and stand next to me. And um, I don't know if I'll say this at 11.15 because it's live stream, but I feel safe here. Um, <laughs> And I just felt Jesus come and stand next to me. And he turned to me and he said, how do you feel that I've not done those things for you? And I said, oh, I'm not bothered. Like, you're here now. I'm just happy that you're here. Um, I'm just pleased that you're here. It doesn't, those things don't matter. You know, you're here. And then I carried on worshiping. And then um, I got this vision. I don't really get visions but I got this vision and Jesus took me by the hand and said it's time to go to the father and he took me to what appeared to be like the throne room and um, I just like fell to the floor at the feet of the father I knew where I was I was in the presence of almighty God and I just wept and I wept and I wept, and such a weight of his presence kept me there. And in that place with the Father, he affirmed me, he whispered secrets to me, he spoke life into me, and his presence alone changed me. Now, I say all of that to say that when you're in the presence of God, Something remarkable happens. And it is time to get in the presence of God again. We know he's with us, but so often we live outside of that reality. But he's desperate for you. He's jealous for you. He wants all your attention all the time. He loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to affirm you. He wants to give you joy and blessing. If only you would turn to hear him and to dwell with him. The psalmist writes that we are a blessed people. And the truth is, is that all earthly blessings do not compare to the blessing of being in the presence of Almighty God. And when you dwell with the Father, you are blessed indeed. Truly, when you are in the presence of the Father, you are blessed. <laughs> so it's time to um, get into the presence of God again. I flipped over my page, but there was nothing else there. <laughs> that was what I felt was on my heart 
that's what God's been saying to me. That's come out of my quiet time with Jesus. You know, just this desperation for the presence of God. I can't force you to be desperate. That's not my place. But I can encourage you that the time is now to get your heart straight. The time is now to put every other love to one side and to pursue Jesus. The time is now. Don't wait around for someone else to usher you into the presence of God. He's calling you back into his presence today. And so um, why don't we just like pursue Jesus right here? No agenda. Why don't you just start lifting up your prayers to the Lord? If you want to pray in tongues, you can pray in tongues. But let's just take some time. Thank you, Jesus.
Yes, Lord Jesus. Um, we hear that that call, Jesus, that you're raising up worshippers again. And we say, Lord, start with us. We say, Lord, start with us. And today, uh, we turn away from perhaps old ways of living. We turn away from being a lover of ourselves, Jesus. We turn away from choosing earthly things to satisfy that only you can satisfy Jesus and we turn away from those things God and we ask Jesus would you come and take center stage in our heart and our life would you come and be our first love again and we kind of declare Jesus that we won't go back but this is it now we're pursuing you Jesus we're chasing after you Nothing else compares. Nothing else really matters, Jesus. We're persistent. We're deciding today that we're going to be desperate for the presence of God. So, Lord, would you lead us to that place? I pray that this week that we might wake up early to go and be in the presence of God. That before we close our eyes, Jesus, we might sit and be with you first, God. Let this be the week where things start to change. And as that happens, Jesus, I ask that you might speak to us in ways that we couldn't even imagine. Give us visions and dreams, God. Give us experiences of your presence that will change us forever. God, let us um, be the ones to be the worshippers again. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great week and uh, we'll see you all next week. And don't forget about Burn as well.